Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, we're going to get right into it today, but before we get into uh, the, the Word today, the Bible today, we want to just give you kind of a heads up of what's happening in uh, the next coming of months with our different Bible series we're going to be doing. We're super excited about 2021. I feel like coming into our fourth year, you know, we're only three and a half years old as a church. We're actually just turning four in November. Come on, somebody. Uh, turning four years old. And uh, so we're coming into, I'm glad you, you don't sound very excited about our four-year-old birthday. So you're like, oh, whatever. Not a big deal. Just start it up and go. Uh, but four years old, you know, uh, coming into the fourth year, I feel like, you know, four-year-olds start to eat a little more solid food. And so I feel like God's been giving me some clear wisdom about where we're going this next year as we study the Bible together. But I want to give you just kind of a picture of where we're going here in the next couple of weeks, at least just until the end of the year. We're going to do a series, our last Sunday uh, this week on Matters of the Heart, and next week and the following, we're going to be talk about the series, The Benefits of Being Stuck. <laughs> we're going to be talking about how when we, sometimes we're in the waiting of life, how God wants, is actually it's a God moment for your life to be able to do something in you and through you, preparing you for what's to come. And so this is going to be life-giving and encouraging, no doubt about it. We're also going to be doing a series after that called Creating Margin, uh, Learning to Steward uh, Finances God's Way. So we're going to do about a four-week uh, uh, sermon series, studying the Bible about money. Uh, the number two talked about thing in the entire Gospels is money uh, next to the kingdom of God. And so we're just going to take some time to talk about what does it look like to create margin in our life, a healthy uh, biblical margin in the area of finances. Then we're going to do a short ser uh, series called Making Room. Come on, I like the, 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 the song so much. I thought, let's just do a Christmas series on it. How about that? But come on, we're going to make room in our lives for Jesus and make room for others in our lives over Christmas. And then our last Sunday of the year, we're going to do church at home, so that we'll have no church uh, here in the building, but we'll be digitally online, church at home, and we're going to be doing a, a sermon called Consider, and we're going to look back at all the sermon series we've done, the big ideas of every sermon series, and walk through what God has done in our lives in 2020, and there's a lot to talk about because COVID and all the things going on, and then we're going to talk a little bit about where we're going in 2021. So it's going to be awesome. You won't want to miss it. Be here or uh, join us online, but I prefer you to be here just because I like seeing you. How about that? All right, well, we're going to finish today with our uh, value series. This is our seventh week on this series. Uh, and uh, there's actually 10 values that we, we value, things that we are, are uh, kind of a definition of who we are. You know, it's, you can hear the vision, you can hear the mission about us as a church, but I felt like, you know, what's more important is who we are. And that comes out of who we are. And so there's just a couple of, of, of values here that we won't touch on, but I just want to make sure you know what they are. Come on, we love to laugh and have fun. Now, if any of you know me, you know I'm a bit of a goofball when you get around me. And some of you are highly offended by me a lot. Just kidding. No, it's not true. I'm a, I don't do sinful things, but I'm a bit of a goofy guy. We love to have fun. We love to be together. We love to party and laugh. We will enjoy the journey. Amen. We're going to laugh hard, we're going to laugh loud, and we're going to laugh often because I hear laughing helps us lose weight. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> but we love to have fun, you know, and if you're ever hanging out with us, you'll see today and throughout being a part of our church, we love to have fun. We love to create environments of fun. And so we do a lot of that through our communities, our community groups. But uh, come on, we love to have fun. We love to laugh. Our other one is we pursue excellence. As you see, we have uh, just our team does an amazing job on Sunday, creating an excellent space for you and I to be able to enjoy the presence of the Lord. We'll always bring our best, honoring God and inspiring people. Come on, today we're going to talk about our, our I'm going to combine the last two together as one because you'll see they kind of go together. 
And then I'm going to get down to the matter of the heart with this issue of our values. But we are called to go. We'll live for the bigger picture, taking action locally and globally. We will, by the end of the year, Lord willing, have given $30,000 away to uh, different organizations, two of them predominantly being World Compassion, who helps uh, Christians, persecuted Christians all across the world. We're sending Bibles to Iran, planting churches in Cuba, doing Bible colleges in Myanmar, uh, helping the underground church in China, as well as our partnership with Hope Mission in the Northeast as we help families who are in need, uh, Boys and Girls Club of Calgary, and that's a growing environment, but we are called to go. We're going to live not only for uh, locally, but also globally. And then also, we love this city, and actions speak louder than words. We love our city, and we will take responsibility for it. Amen? The way we do this is through our groups. We serve our community through our groups. One of the examples is our Sundance group where I live in Sundance. Our neighbors are going to come to Jesus. Amen. Come on. Uh, we've been sharing Christ with them. We had them over last night and they just had a baby named Oscar, a little cute little Oscar. And the Sundance group, I didn't even know this, our Sundance group felt that they wanted to serve them. They don't know Jesus. And so they brought them a stew. Justine made an amazing stew and a $100 gift certificate to skip the dish. And I walked into his house and said, bro, this is from you. From who? I said, well, there's a, a group in our community and we believe we want to serve our community with no strings attached. So here you go. And he says, why? I said, well, because we love you. But why do you love me? He says, what do I need to do? Do I need to pay you? I said, no, it's free. It's no strings attached. It's a gift for you. We love you. And we just want to bless you. But, but why? He said, he says, oh, you know, my business, we're going to put your name, your, our logo and all of our charitable things. I said, you don't have to do that. We just love you. No strings attached. And so there's a, our online, online group is doing some outreach as well. And we want to reach each community, each home, each person, not just, a, 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 you know, a shotgun shot at serving the community, which we often may do, but also we want to reach our community every single community time. We want to take responsibility for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's try that again. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's get in a little bit further. We want to, as we end our time here today uh, in this series, this series, get down into the heart of the matter. And I want to jump into a verse today. We're going to camp on this verse that you've probably read many times before, but I kind of want to hang out and kind of help us understand something that God's been showing me and really help you understand our value of serving our city. Our value in going is much deeper. It's truly a matter of our heart and whether or not we believe that God wants us to reach more lost people in the city of Calgary. Read this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16. You're welcome to open your Bibles if you want. All the, screen, the scriptures will be on the screen behind me. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 16 says this says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. He says, we've stopped evaluating, considering, assessing people based on a human point of view. What is this human point of view? Well, this human point of view in the scripture is referring to, you know, class and the, the, uh, their job or the money they make or how, how many degrees they have or the place they live or where they are in life. The, this, this verse here speaks to the idea that they, the, the, the outside of who they are. So I'm evaluating them on a worldly point of view. So where are you from and what part of the city do you live in and what do you drive and where do you go to school and do you have a degree and what level of a degree do you have and what, what part of the 
the, the, the city are you from? And what's your story, your history? And we look at people on the outside and we see the labels that our culture has put on people based on how they answer these questions. We often evaluate individuals based on their current place of life, the job that they work, the car that they drive, the people they're with, how they dress, how they act, how they talk. We look at them and we assess and we evaluate based on a human point of view. These are called labels. We put labels on people based upon what they say. And we put labels upon people based upon where they're from. Or labels on people based upon where they, where they live or how they look or how they dress. Or we, we make an evaluation based on these things. When in reality, those things are not God's point of view. You know, one just small example of uh, kind of a label. Often people ask me, what denomination are you? And I know what that means. Mostly people are asking me, what do you believe? And it's hard for me to give you an answer because I might have some differing beliefs based on a denomination, based on different things. And that's just an example of a label that's put on a church or a person. Instantly, you know, oh, if you're this, then you must be this, 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 this. If you make a lot of money, you must be this, 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 this. If you drive this car, if you come to church this way, if you don't come to church that often, if you do this or you do that or you talk like this or you act like that, oh, you must be this, 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 this. And we do this all the time with people and we place labels on them. But one thing I really want you to capture today, and this is the most simplest of basic of things that I can say to you, but I want you to get it. Every behind every single label are people. People with problems, people with issues, people facing hardship, people having marriages falling apart, people who are lost and confused, people who have hobbies and people who have souls and people who have dreams and people who have hearts, people who have motivations, people who have uh, the wounds in their lives, people who are just trying to figure life out, people who, who are coming to conclusions on life based on the experience. They're just regular old people. Nothing bigger, nothing small, nothing left, nothing right. They're just people. People with motivations and dreams and passions, people, regular people. And often it's easy for us to look at individuals through our eyes and view them through a human point of view and forget that they're a person just like you and me. And I'm not talking about a group of people or a tribe or a nation. I'm talking about an individual. They are individuals, not just what we see on the outside. And God actually labels them. He's labeled them in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set and planted eternity in the human heart. God has put on every single soul, every single person that has ever lived on the planet, that has lived and that will live and that lives today, God has put eternity in their heart, which means there is a spot in their heart and in their life where they can try everything else in this world, but nothing will satisfy like the abundant life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a place in every single heart where God has labeled them and God has put it in there that when they try to pursue a relationship and it falls apart, or they try to pursue a career and it doesn't quite pan out and fulfill me like I hoped that it would. Or man, I, I go in this, I own this house or this thing and all my life I'm trying to make all these things work and I come to the end of myself and realize there's just something missing in my life. That is the label that God has put on every single person's heart eternity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
every single individual, no matter how far they've gone away from God, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, whether they hate God or whether they love God, whether they love the church or hate the church, whether they're left wing or right wing, or whether they're conservative or liberal or Democrat or Republican, whether they're the 1%, the rich, the poor, whether they're boy or girl, whether they live in the Northeast or the Northwest or the Southeast or the Southwest, our culture has put on, uh, labels on people across our society. We've been trained to think this way. We've been trained to think left, left politically, right politically. We've been trained to think liberal in your faith. Oh, very uh, you know, conservative in your faith. We've been trained to think, oh, the Northeast or the Southwest or the Southeast. Man, oh, you live in that part of town. Oh, you must be. We've been trained by our culture to see people from a perspective of the human point of view. When God says every person is simply a person with eternity written on their heart. And no matter how far you've gone, no matter what you've done, no matter the distance you've been, no matter how badly you're hurt, no matter the mistakes you made, eternity is still written on these people's hearts. Yeah, good. No matter where you're at in life, eternity is written on your heart. We see that in this verse, it identifies that the reality of this scripture is that Jesus has a purpose and a plan for every single person outside of the facade and the mask and the costume that each of us wear. Right. Beyond all of that, deep in their heart, there is a hole, a missing place that only Jesus can fill. Yeah. Yeah. We say... This idea of eternity written on our heart, it's, there's a story in the Bible in John chapter, John chapter 3, and it's a, a man, a religious teacher, this man who knew, the, the, he knew the, the, the Old Testament, he knew the Mosaic Law, and he sat with Jesus, and he was so confused, he didn't understand, how can, what do you mean that someone has eternity written on their heart? What do you mean that they have to be born again? This doesn't make any sense to me. Look what the verse says. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born, which is a disgusting idea. <laughs> Jesus is like, dude, that's weird. What are you suggesting? He says, no, no, no. What are you you're telling me? What do you mean I got to be born again? What do you mean my heart was made for eternity? I've already been born. What are you talking about? Jesus is talking here. He look what he says in this verse. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water naturally and born of the spirit supernaturally. Flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to spirit, which means there are people walking around this planet who have not been made alive to Christ. They are spiritually unconscious. They are lost and they are dead in their natural birth. And Christ comes and brings their life, their heart alive again. And they become new creations. They become born again. It's a crazy thought to think that people across the world are asleep spiritually and don't even know it. Jesus here says that we are born of spirit. We are not just naturally born. We are spiritually reborn, which means every single person is spiritually awake or spiritually asleep, is spiritually conscious or spiritually unconscious. Every person on the planet, no matter how far you've gone, no matter where you're at, whether you're in prison or you're in a palace, it doesn't matter. Your heart has a hole that's called eternity and your heart can be made new and restored with the abundant life of Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. See, we're here as a church 
not just to uh, not just to make disciples, which is our ultimate objective, make disciples. But we want to help people experience the abundant life that God has for every person on this planet. We don't want to entertain dead spirituality. We don't want to entertain dead tradition or dead religion. Come on, someone. We want to entertain a life-giving, abundant, joy-filled life by the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want people to experience new life in Christ. We want people to come alive in Christ. See, Jesus had this experience often where he would talk to these different religious leaders. And there's one specific account in, in uh, John, or Luke chapter 15. And these religious leaders were frustrated because Jesus was spending time with people who were obviously not living a very righteous life. Look what the scripture says. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So they labeled these people as sinners. Now, they must have been people who maybe didn't look like Jesus. Maybe they were, uh, you know, living a lifestyle that they didn't condone. Or they were, maybe they were using a lot of profanity. Or maybe they were saying certain jokes. Or maybe they were over drinking, overeating. Or maybe they were doing drugs. Or maybe, who knows what the, the behavioral thing that they were doing for these, these religious people to look at these individuals who wanted to be around Jesus and said, I can't believe you're hanging out with people who behave like that. They were looking at the labels and the behaviors of our society that they do not fit the mold of what a Christian looks like. They don't fit the mold of what righteousness looks like. Therefore, they are disqualified from being around Jesus. And Jesus spends a lot of time with these religious people trying to help them understand that you're missing the mission. You're missing the point. Look what he says. He uses this story, and you've heard this story many times. Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? So Jesus now labels these individuals who are with him, who maybe don't know him and maybe don't act like he might want them to act in the future, but he sure sees eternity is written on their heart. He sees them as people who have a story and have a life behind all the behavior, behind all the lifestyle, behind all the things that religious people don't want to get near. Jesus says, no, I see through it. I see you. I see your heart. I see your need for me. I see that you're lost and I see that you're broken. And he identifies them as lost sheep. That word lost there in that Greek actually means to be in pain, to be wandering, to be frustrated, to be lonely or disconnected. The word actually means in the Greek, the three words are ruined, destroyed, and spiritually dead. When I hear that definition of the word lost, I think immediately of John chapter 10, 10, how the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the identification of, uh, of people who are, are, who are being attacked by the enemy. The enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy from you. But God wants to come and bring your life alive and your heart alive to his word that you might experience the abundant life that God has for you. Amen. And this is the purpose and the mission of Christ on the earth today. Are you alive today? Yes. Yeah. See, this is why God brought us here. Yes. And he says that these lost sheep 
don't know about you, but when I'm lost, I'm disoriented. I don't know where to go and I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to find help. I, I'm, I find myself at a dead end or a lost place and I just, I'm lost. I don't, I'm, I'm disoriented. I'm, I'm confused. I'm distracted. I'm lonely. There's something missing. I, I, I need to get on the right path again. I need to find my direction again. And Jesus here identifies in this verse. He says they are lost. They're, they're, they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. And many times people don't realize that we're lost. When I'm lost often, I only know I'm lost when my wife and I start fighting. <laughs> I only know I'm lost when, when I'm starting to, I, I don't realize I'm lost until I'm lost. Yeah. And Jesus here wants to identify this idea that he looks past the labels. He looks past what it looks like. He looks past what they're wearing. He looks past their political agenda. He looks past their, their, their denominational perspective. He looks past the different doctrines that we stand on. He looks past the behavior. He looks past these things and says, this person, these people that I'm with, these people are lost. And there's eternity written on their heart. And they have a place in heaven for them. Right. And I want them to live the abundant life. Jesus did this in his entire ministry. The story of a man, Nathaniel. The theologians believe that Nathaniel was standing underneath a fig tree and having some sort of commotion. Some sort of, I don't know if it was an internal thing, he was dealing with something, or he was in a fight. But there was, the theologians believe that Nathaniel stood underneath the fig tree and was struggling in that moment. Just to, just whatever he was struggling with, that, that Jesus saw him. And Nathaniel walks up to him and Jesus looks and says, oh, here's a true Israelite, a man, a pure man, a pure man, a pure Jew. And this is what Nathaniel said. He said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Yes. Jesus wasn't there. Jesus looked past it. He was thinking about him. He saw him. He observed him. Jesus saw Nathaniel was going through something in his life. Or how about the man named Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is this short man of stature, a rich individual who was actually uh, causing a lot of trouble in his community because he was charging them extra taxes. No one liked Zacchaeus. But when Jesus walked into the community, all of these people gathered around him. And here's this short of stature, rich, greedy man at the very top of a tree just trying to see Jesus. And Jesus walked by every single person in the crowd. And the scripture says that he looked up at Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to have dinner at your house. Why? Because he Eternity's written on your heart and you're lost and you need me. And because there's a depth in your heart, I want to fill. I don't want to do something in your life. And I know that you're greedy and I know that you're rich and I know that you're short in stature and I know that people make fun of you and I know there's all sorts of stuff going on, but I know I see you, Zacchaeus. I see you. Or how about the, the story of the man who was surrounded by all of these sick people? There were like thousands potentially of sick people laying around this pool waiting to get into the pool to be healed. And it says in the scripture that Jesus walked amongst all of these sick people. And he saw him lying there of all the people. This man, 38 years old, he was invalid, couldn't walk. And he says, I'm just waiting to get into the pool. Nobody's here to help me. And Jesus says, I see you. I see that there's eternity written on your heart. I see that you're lost. I see that you need me. And he went right into his life. And Jesus healed him that day and said, pick up your mat and walk. How about the woman? who is having an adult, uh, committing adultery with a man. And these men walked in the room and yanked her out of the room. She's wearing nothing but a bathrobe, showing skin as she comes out and throws this woman down in front of a crowd of people. And they all said, this woman is a harlot. We should stone her. And the scripture says that Jesus got down on his hands and knees and very clearly, I believe it identifies that he was riding on the ground, therefore not looking at a single individual in that place. 
And he says, whoever of you has the least amount of sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And eventually every single person got up and walked away that day. And Jesus looked up straight and he looked at this woman. He said, where are your accusers? Remember, this is Jesus, God of the heavens and earth. There's no one here, Jesus. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus saw her. And the crazy part is he hasn't stopped seeing us. He sees you here today. One of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible. You need to understand this today, that no matter where you're at on your journey with God, no matter where you're at from start to finish, if you're here today and you're angry at God because your life hasn't turned out like you hope. I've been there before. Just 10 years ago, I was in that place where I was really angry at God. I put my Bible on the bookshelf and collected dust and my wife went to intercede on my behalf because she thought I wasn't going to turn my life to Jesus. She was worried for my salvation. Isn't that a crazy thought? Here I am, angry at God, frustrated with God, but he saw me. I was the apple of his eye. When you're facing marriage struggles and things aren't good, and maybe you find yourself in a, a, a desperate addiction in your life that you can't get out of, and you think, man, I feel lost. Guess what? He's watching you because there's eternity written on your heart and your lot. We all stray like sheep. Each of us goes to our own way, even after we've accepted Jesus, even after we've given our life to God. There's sometimes when we wander like sheep and we don't know where we're going, and we end up when we say, God, I've gone to church my whole life, but I feel lost and empty. Don't worry. He's watching you. He sees you because eternity has been written on your heart and you're lost just like every other person on the planet and you're a person and you've got dreams and aspirations and visions and God sees that for your life. Look what he says in Psalms chapter 17, one of my verse, favorite verses in the Bible. Look at this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. That phrase there refers to the pupil. When you look at someone in the eyes, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but you look into their eyes, you can see a reflection of yourself and their pupil. It says you are the apple of his eye. That he never takes his eyes off you. And he never takes his eyes off of those loved ones that you're praying for. And he never takes his, love, uh, his eyes off of those who've rejected him. And he never, take, he, never take, he never stops loving them, although they reject him. And although they've been hurt at the church, or although they've left, although they've never been in a place where they could just be themselves, I want you to know today that God is watching you. Yes. He's got his eye on you. Because he doesn't see the labels that our culture has put on us. He sees the label of eternity. I want to end with this last thought here today. You know, the story here, uh, or the, the scripture, our key text here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's read it again. And I want to just end with this thought today. Paul says, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So Paul, for those of you who maybe don't know in the room today, his, his first name was Saul. And there's a time in the Bible when Saul, he actually, uh, Paul, the author of this book, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He planted a majority of the churches that you and I read about in the, in, in the New Testament. And there was a time in his life when he absolutely hated Christians. It was a time when a man named Stephen was being murdered by stoning and directly in Saul's face. They were murdering him and killing him and Saul approved of it because he just hated Christians. 
He hated this, this cult that he called it, this sect of religion that, that just spreads false narratives about the true God. And he was angry and he was upset and he was vehemently after every single Christian. He was murdering them and arresting them and throwing them in jail. This man, Saul, was on his way to a place called Damascus. And as he was going on his way, the scripture says he was knocked off of his horse. A bright light shone around him. And he had this moment with God. And he ended up asking, he was blind and he was told to go into the city, Damascus, to go to Judas's house on Straight Street. Judas was considered to be an unbelieving Jew. And as he's there, he went into the house. He's now blind. He's had this crazy, weird encounter with potentially, I think it's God. He's in this room. And all of a sudden, God speaks to a young man. Now, we don't see this man named Ananias anywhere else in Scripture. From my knowledge, I don't see him anywhere else. But I do know this, that this is a moment. And the Bible says he's just a believer. He's not an apostle. He's not a super apostle. He's not anything great like me and like you. He's just a regular old follower of Jesus. And it says that God came and spoke to him. And look what he said. He says, I want you to go to, uh, to Judas' house at Straight Street. And I want you to go and pray for him because this man named Saul is an instrument for my kingdom. Look what Ananias responds. But Lord, look what he says. I've heard many people talk about. I've heard the labels about this guy named Saul. Now, they're probably true. But God, this guy, he's too far gone. This guy, there's no way that I'm going to put myself as a Christian in this guy's presence. There's no way, God, he's disqualified, but Lord, I've heard this many people talk about him and I'm not about to go do what you tell me to do, God. Are you sure about this? And look what he says. The Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. So Ananias went and found Saul. Just imagine for a moment. Ananias gets right on and he grabs a torch and he goes outside. It's a beautiful evening and the stars are in the sky and there's a a warm breeze going by and every little noise startles Ananias because he's going to talk to the Christian killer. And he walks down the street and finds Straight Street and he realizes this is Judas's house and the shutters are closed and the lights are off and he can hear the murmurings of a Hebrew individuals talking inside of this house and he goes up and he knocks on the door. And a man named Judas comes to the door and he cracks the door open and says, come inside. Here's Ananias, a believer just like you and just like me, walks in the door and he hears the, the, the wind hitting against the shutters and he feels this sense in the room that, that, oh my gosh, I'm in the room with this Christian killer and there's a man in the corner and as he stands in the corner, he's on his hands and knees and he's rocking back and forth and you can tell something's not right. And the scripture says that Ananias, this regular believer, just like you and me, walked up to Saul and it said he placed his hands on him and look what he said. Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul. The first words that Saul heard from a Christian's mouth was brother. I go past all the labels about you, Saul. I know you're a Christian killer. I know you don't deserve my love. I know you don't deserve to hear about Jesus. I know you hurt Stephen. Stephen was my friend. I know what you did wrong. But 
the eternity has been written on your heart. You're lost. And, and, and I want you to know today that you can be found. And it says in the scripture that he walked towards him and he placed his hand on him and he said, I'm going to work through this label on your life. And I'm going to see you as a lost person who needs to know Jesus, who can find the abundant life in Christ. Can you imagine being Saul, knowing the things that you've done, but you were told you belong here. You belong in this place. This isn't just for religious folks who want to get it right. This is for all people to just know Jesus better together and to try to make this life work for the kingdom of God and do it together in community, bringing people in, saying, you belong in the house of God. Look what the scripture says. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. I used to see him like this. But now I saw him like this. This is what God's going to do when we begin to break through the labels that we have on people's lives and begin to share the good news of the abundant life of Jesus Christ and fill that hole of eternity in their heart with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Scales will fall from their eyes and they will no longer see life from a human point of view. They will see life from a spiritual point of view and know I no longer have to live the life I used to live. I get to live the abundant life set free in the name of Jesus Christ. Every person how far gone has eternity written on their heart? Come on, why don't you stand with me? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? We pray two prayers every week. Come on, every eye closed in this place this morning. Come on, you're here today and you say, man, I, I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. And I'd like to start a relationship with him today. I'd like to make a commitment to serve Jesus, follow him, and have this abundant life. Come on, if that's you today, would you just put your hand up really quickly and put it back down? I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you, but I just want to see if there's anyone here today that wants to start that journey. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Father, we just want to say thank you today, Lord. Father, for every person here, God, who knows you and doesn't know you, we pray, Lord, they would know that, Lord, we believe with our, our, our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we will be saved. I pray for every person here today, God, who has people in their life who are far from you. I pray, Lord, that they would not give up. They would not grow weary in doing good for in due season. They will reap a harvest, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would even cause us to be a people who welcomes people into the house of God will help and welcome people into our lives, that we would see them as people created by you with eternity on their heart. Lord, not just people with problems, not just people with affiliations or mindsets, but God, people who you created. God, we just pray, God, that your presence would be with every person in this place today and that you would give them opportunity to fill that hole with your love and your grace and your mercy in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.